You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Cassie Johnson, and today I'm joined by Patricia Caputo and Pamela Brands. How are y'all doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, the Cowboys and LSU LSU won over the weekend, so I can't complain. Pam, how are you doing? Very good. It was a hectic week because I actually had to work the LSU game. Oh. So it was that, but it was topped off because UTSA and the Cowboys won. Exactly. To give you a little insight, Pam is joining us today from Tiger TV. Andre and Liam, who are typically on the podcast, decided to go to the Pels and Mavericks game because Andre is a Pels fan. And Liam is a Mavs fan. So thank you, Pam, for joining us and filling in for them. That's fun. All girls show. Can't go wrong with that. And we're all Cowboys fans. All Cowboys fans. Shout that out. (laughs) A winning podcast, honestly. (laughs) So let's get into this LSU game. The Tigers beat the undefeated Ole Miss 45-25 Saturday. And all I can say, that was just a great game. We started off a little rocky, which is like, I mean, what's new? But we turned it around and got the dub. And LSU is set to play Bama next week, Saturday at 6 p.m. in Death Valley. So what are some things y'all want to see the team adjust and work on to even have a chance of beating Bama? I don't think Alabama is as good as they typically are. And they already have a loss on the season. We are tied with SEC losses in terms that we had an SEC loss to Tennessee. They also had an SEC loss to Tennessee. So there's some wiggle room there. But there's also been some problems with Alabama, their defense especially, drawing penalties. But I would like to see this LSU team not be a second-half team. Come out fast, quick tempo, and get the defense and offense going right away. I agree, Pam. Um, I was just going to say I had a couple things. First, I know that we did pretty good on special teams, but our version of pretty good is the standard to most people, and that's just what really irks me sometimes because it's just like everyone was cheering that we fair caught it. (laughs) That is how bad. It's embarrassing. Our special teams has been. And, yes, we didn't have any muff punts or, like, nothing like that, but don't forget we still had a missed field goal. And it's just kind of – I just really want to see our special teams be better and just above average. But right now we are at average after being below average. Um, I was also going to say we had, like, some unsportsman likes, which – Luckily, our defense is just that good that they stopped him again, but it took away the uh, fourth down that they got uh, later on in the game. And so that was just – that's just something we need to work on. It's it's little stuff like that that you can't do against yeah. Alabama. And the, the one that she's referring to, I think, is Harold Perkins mm-hmm. when an Ole Miss offensive – player shoved his helmet into yeah. the ground and then Harold reacted and the refs are always going to catch like the second offense and right. that happened with Harold and that seems to be a rookie mistake he is a freshman but also a guy's putting your head in the ground it's yeah. hard not to react so mm-hmm. but still you have to limit that because that was a crucial play no yeah. and I agree with Pam the little things matter and when you're playing a team like Bama everything counts you have mm-hmm. to capitalize off of everything mm-hmm. I agree with the both of y'all but um like I was saying earlier the team played outstanding last weekend so outstanding that three of our players were honored for their performances Jane Daniels Harold Perkins and Makai Wingo were all SEC players of the week what were some things y'all liked from them um, what I liked from Jaden Daniels, I remember BK saying something about uh, how there were three deep safeties, so Daniels always knew how to 
read the coverage and everything. And yeah. as soon as he saw if they, like, dropped deep, he, like, knew when to run. Because he did run a little bit more this game, which I know people didn't want to see that much of him this year. Uh, they want to see him run – or uh, they want to see him throw more. But him running really helped us in the end. So I just – I liked how he's knowing how to do that because he also just seems more confident in the pocket as the weeks go by. And it's hard because he's had so many different offensive linemen switch around for the first, like, six games. So it's just really good to see him get more confident, whether that's running or passing. Um, that's what I like that Jaden Daniels is doing. You can just see him getting more comfortable, like, as a whole. And then uh, Wingo, uh, that's it, Wingo, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah he had um, one and a half sacks. And, like, we needed that because Dart was, like, more of a runner sometimes. So it was good that they were able to get to the quarterback because they weren't at the beginning of the game. Oh, no. But yeah. us being a second-half team, as we always are, they ended up getting um, they ended up getting to him, which I thought was good. I have a whole thing on Harold Perkins, though. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I just – I okay, so when I was working the game, they tell us to get those behind the scenes things that the big networks don't show. So I was trying to get that. I was trying to get every little thing here and there. Something I saw after the unsportsmanlike from uh, Harold Perkins, excuse me, was when he went over, of course, you had the coaches like getting on him. They were like upset with him. I kept recording and everything, and I see BK come over and just start like, Aaron, like, getting on him, just, like, yelling at him, all this. And, like, you'd expect that. Like, that's his coach. That was, like, a fourth down play that they were just giving a first down. Like, of course he's going to be angry. But it was the body language that I saw that kind of made me, like, ooh. Because you just saw Harold, like, just not – instead of just having his hands down, shaking his head, like, yes, coach, yes, coach. You saw him, like – arguing with him his hands going everywhere and then I get it he was trying to plead his case but this is your head coach this isn't just your your um position coach this is your head coach getting angry at you you should say yes sir and walk off and like say I'll try and do better next time but you saw him not only like moving his hands around but he also walked away as BK was still talking to him so he had to like hold him by his like on his side or his stomach and like keep talking to him to get him from walking away and just it's those little things like that that make you think like is it an attitude problem is it something in practice that we don't see it's little things like that like I know y'all probably know that one time how Dax draft capital went up just because he threw a cup <laughs> away into that trash. Yes, it's like it's little things like that and it starts off now like it starts now it's those tiny things it's those character things and just something about that because obviously no one's gonna deny how good this guy is mm-hmm. Harold Perkins is so good he's he does change the defense when he's on the field so whenever you hear BK saying stuff that it's difficult for him to read Uh, I think it was like read the defensive schemes or something. Mm -hmm. I get that. He's a true freshman. Maybe it could be that because he just started. But at the same time, looking at stuff like that, looking at the little things like the body language and everything, it almost makes you wonder, is that why he doesn't get as much playing time? Because it's obvious he's like one of the best defensive players on the team. So to not have him on there, you got to think, is it deeper than Mm -hmm. it actually is? And he proved he's one of the best defensive players as he just won freshman SEC player of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So 
he goes out there and he proves that, but that is something that a guy like Brian Kelly might not tolerate. You might have been able to get away with that with a guy like Coach Ed Ogeron, who is more of a player's coach. But Brian Kelly, he's very serious. He's very businesslike. But that hopefully will come with age with Harold Perkins. Really mm-hmm. good, man, to point that out. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Even though not for Harold, but awesome that you were able to see that and catch on to that. I love to see that. And then as for Jaden Daniels, even though I as well wanted to see him throw the ball a little more. I like that it was a little less even in the sense that he threw for 248 yards and then only ran for 121. Still a lot, was still the team's leading rusher, but his mobility does help us win games. What I love to see from Jaden Daniels is that he slides now. He's getting better at that. That's how you easily get a quarterback injured. Joe Burrow had the same problem when he first got to the NFL, and Jaden Daniels seems to calm down, seems to not just try to get the first and protect his body because that's most important. As for Makai Wingo, love what he's been able to do on this defense, take over that role for Mason Smith when he had unexpectedly got hurt, and he deserves all the accolades coming his way. I agree. And we were still on the topic of Harold Perkins. You mentioned it kind of already, Pam, but Coach Kelly mentioned he doesn't get the most playtime he can possibly get because some of the reads are too difficult for him. But what is something that he can improve on or what can he do so he can see more snaps because LSU is a different team with him on the field. I agree that they're different, but I do, at least in the beginning of the season, I liked how Brian Kelly was using him because it's a team, he's a guy that an offense has to look out for, they have to prepare for, but you wonder how much playing time is he going to get. Should he have been that quiet during that Tennessee game? No. There's times where you have to have him in. You see how productive he can be in a game. But at the same time, there's no need to necessarily rush him at this moment. Now, as we are getting into playing teams like Alabama, maybe that need does speed up a little bit. And that's just practice. He's a D1 football player. He can figure it out. That's why what Pam's saying might ring true a little bit because it's hard for me to believe that a guy, a D1 player, had all these offers, was a kid that was committed to Texas A&M and decommitted. It's not like LSU was his only offer. He probably ha- transferred to. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, is having trouble, this much trouble reading defense. I know it's a different scheme. I know he's a freshman. There's a whole lot of plays. But maybe it's a problem with reading certain offenses, but I just find it hard to believe that this seems like an impossible task for Harold Perkins that they're just going to have to wait till next year to figure out. Yeah, because it's like – he it's I get it like you that's the whole reason why like you have all these like different plays defensively and all these schemes but it's just I mean you just give them one job like get to the ball get to the quarterback like it's not that hard that's why I'm kind of like Ooh, I don't know what so it you're really thinking is. like you said it might be an attitude problem it, yeah it might just be like non-football related non-football maybe. related yeah yeah and also I was gonna say something about Jaden Daniels too um, I saw someone say this, which it really rings true. I think coming from Arizona State, it's like it's the Pac-12. It's very different from SEC. Like Arizona State's a good team, or they're not as good as LSU. So I just <laughs> think Daniels isn't used to having like these weapons in his hands. So he was just so used to running and everything. So before like everyone gets on Jaden Daniels for that, he I think he's just not used to having like all these toys to play with he's just kind of like let me just do this on my own like I have to so I think that's why it's his instinct because he's just been doing that like his whole uh, college career until now in 2019 he threw the ball a whole lot but then 2021 that offensive line weakened some wide receivers left and he was forced to use his mobility Mm -hmm. and use his legs so that is something he's definitely still getting used to as LSU is halfway through the season yeah 
So um, this is going to be a huge game for LSU, especially the defense. What must this defense do to keep up with Bama's explosive offense? And I'm going to start off by saying this. LSU's defense held Ole Miss scoreless in the second half. I mean, I think that's an incredible feat. Um, We need another game like that. And with Bama, Bryce Young has a near-perfect presence in the pocket. I Mm. love watching Bryce Young play. He... He's, it just seems like he's never frantic or jittery. Like, you've got a bunch of 200, 300-pound men running at you. He's just chilling because he knows that he is that guy. He can make the plays. So what are we going to do about that? What do we need to do about that? You have to get to Bryce Young right away mm-hmm. and make sure that you contain him because he is a guy that can sit in the pocket. This team has everything together. But again, the defense for Alabama is where they're going to weaken. So yeah. that's where our offense, if we're speaking offensively, they have to attack. Jaden Daniels, throw the ball downfield. This Alabama defense is horrific on the, the road. Secondary, yeah. Yes, the way they draw way too many penalties. Last week they were a little better, but other than that, you haven't seen much from them. You've seen a lot of problems in this defense. This hostile environment in Tiger Stadium could greatly affect them. As for LSU's defense, you need guys like Makai Wingo and Harold Perkins, who are winning these awards, to show up again, and especially the secondary. There are a lot of pass interference calls, too, if I'm not mistaken, on Makai Gardner. And you have to make sure that you clean those up because yeah. you can't have those against Alabama. Pam? Um, yeah, I was going to say uh, we have a veteran D-line. It's been uh, one of the talked about things in the preseason. Uh, this like defensive line was supposed to be one of our best assets of the team. And I know with Mason Smith going down, it kind of like threw a monkey wrench. But we still have like other guys on that. And they just – They've seen Bryce Young before. So them yeah. being veterans, they've played against him before. And I think I know I think they have a new someone from Georgia Tech on the Alabama side, but either way, like they've seen him before. They'll have the home field advantage. I just think yeah, one of the biggest things they need to do is just get to Bryce Young. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's and I know like oh, it's easier said than done, but like I said they've seen him before, home field advantage. I just, I, it's, it's Alabama. Yeah. I don't really know, like, what else to say. But y'all sound really confident in our team. Do y'all think we have a chance of beating them? It's that, it's not even so much that I'm really confident in LSU. I like the momentum that LSU mm-hmm. has. I like mm-hmm. that they're coming off a of bye week. Alabama's also going to come off a of bye week by the time LSU takes them on Tiger Stadium at 6 p.m. next Saturday. But Alabama, they're not that they're not impressive this year, but they're not the same team that we've mm-hmm. seen under Nick Saban. I mean, they played Mississippi State. Mississippi State was a dominant team for most of the season. Now they sit at 5-3, and three, and Alabama beat them by 30. You're coming off that loss against Tennessee. Usually that motivates Nick Saban. It was just a little surprising to yeah. me that it was, okay, you're winning by 30. That's not a huge blowout game. I know it's an SEC game. It could still be a little difficult. But what I had mentioned this on the Sunday show as well, what could fire up this Alabama team, bye week, come back healthier, and they let Mississippi State score at the end of the game. And CBS Sports Online said a little something about this and how that irritates Nick Saban and this team. And Nick Saban said at the end of the game, after they had defeated Mississippi State and said, it's really annoying that they got that touchdown at the end of the game. We have to clean it up. And then two minutes later, Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, said the same exact thing. So there's a fire in this team. They just lost the game to Tennessee. They look at that one touchdown, which was the first by Mississippi State in Tuscaloosa since 2014. They look at that touchdown and... They, that's a fire in them that they're yeah. saying, okay, now we've really got to come out here and now we got to defeat LSU. But if LSU 
plays calm, plays comfortable. Jaden Daniels throws the ball, and they're not a second-half team. They could put on a competition for Alabama. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was um, – one of the biggest things is I just – we can't – as much as, like, it's a great storyline and everything, we just – we can't be a second-half team. If we want to beat teams like Alabama, we have to play like that in the first half as well. And I know this is just, like, the LSU fan coming out, but – I really see us having a shot here. Like, this is the most beatable I've seen Alabama Mm -hmm. in years. And I know we beat them back in 2019, but that was just amazing talent against amazing talent. And we had one of the best teams to possibly ever play in college football. (laughs) It just, like, that in itself, that you can't even count that. But like I said, this is, like, one of the most beatable I've ever seen Alabama. Like, Texas, Texas Mm A&M. They almost had them both games. Exactly. And it's, it's just it's crazy. And uh, I remember Quint Ewers went out at the end of uh, – towards uh, – in that Texas game. So I know that who knows if he would have yeah, stayed in. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Would something have happened in the end of that? And mm-hmm. A&M, they were this close to beating him. It was off of a goal line play. Like, I remember that. It was just Haynes King kind of – like. Threw it a little wonky, but <laughs> I agree with your Texas take, Quinn going down, but still like the backup quarterback, they still had a lot of momentum going into that game. But the Texas A and M game, the only reason I don't really count is because I mean we had a backup. What's his name? Greg Milrow. Uh, yes, Milrow. Bama. Yes, Milrow was and, in the game for Alabama. Yeah, and I feel like that's the only reason it was cutting it close. But you have to remember. Talk about the dominant quarterbacks they've had over the years, where right. Jalen Hurts one time, okay, he gets taken out of the game, and you have Tua Tagovailoa comes in. Yeah. So that also kind of says something that right. Alabama, not that they're not getting the recruits, but now you're having to be careful with some guys. Yeah. You're not going to have a five-star quarterback come in and be great and be able to take over in the national championship like you did a few years ago. Right. Just as, like, again, Texas A&M has not had a great season. You have a backup quarterback. He comes away with the win, still impressive, but still not those same guys that you had a few years ago on oh, your yeah, roster. Oh, yeah, their quarterback room used to be deep. And the wide receiver room, too. Yes. That, oh, yeah. was just always kind of been stacked. But I do <laughs> agree they do look very beatable, and we will see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> like the biggest competition we've had this year has been Tennessee, not yeah. Alabama. Mm-hmm. And it's I read this that Alabama's averaging eighty yards a game in like penalties. Yes. Like yeah. eighty mm-hmm. yards given away just in penalties. And that, that can really be a yeah. big deal, especially because it's uh, LSU seems to be one of those teams where we just need that little thing to get us going mm-hmm. and who knows, maybe it could be those penalties that they end oh, up yeah. giving us. Yeah. And I know they were they, rattled in that yeah. Tennessee game. And I know that they um, Alabama also has like a new running back uh, from, I think it was Georgia Tech. But I know with that new running back, uh, their run game isn't as great. And they lost, of course, a couple of guys to the draft. But then again, they just usually have another five-star yeah. to take their spot. <laughs> so that's why that one I didn't really put a big emphasis on. But – Like you said, with our momentum that we've had, this is a different LSU team than we've seen since Tennessee. And I really feel like the Tennessee game kind of just shook them in a positive way because, I mean, 45 points in the last two games we've Mm -hmm. scored. That is crazy. And, of course, we didn't play as well defensively against Florida, but then we did against um, Auburn and uh, 
Auburn and Ole Miss. So just having those second half shutouts is like a little good thing to like have, but just keep that in the first half too. So yeah. I feel like if we play our second half version in both halves, <laughs> I feel like we will Yeah. We will win. Yeah. We just, just need to come out <laughs> guns blazing. Yeah. I agree. And Tiger Stadium. Got it. It's going to be rocking. It's be a packed. night game. Mm-hmm. Yes, night I'm game. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on to the NBA. The NBA is back finally, and I can already tell it's going to be a fun season. As of right now, the Bucks and the Trailblazers are undefeated, and the Magic, Lakers, Kings, and Thunder remain winningless. Is any of this shocking to y'all? The Lakers? Yes. Are, the Lakers, I don't want to say they're extremely shocking. What are shocking are the comments coming out from this Lakers team, like LeBron James saying, to be completely honest, we're not a team constructed of great shooting. (laughs) LeBron, you you can't win a game if you can't shoot. The Brooklyn Nets are a pretty good example of that. They just, right now, they need a third guy. And that's what this Lakers team doesn't have. You have some of the greats there, but they're just not producing. Part of that even being Russell Westbrook as well. Yeah, I get tender about that because I'm a Westbrook (laughs) fan. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, too. Um... I think I am most surprised by the Lakers start, honestly. You know, they got a new head coach over the offseason. Looked like they were really putting things together. And on top of that, you have one of the best players in the world on your team, if not the best player in the world. I know that's a touchy subject. A lot of people don't agree. (laughs) Maybe playing right now, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think uh, they're 0-3 right now. They're really struggling with their shooting. Like you said, LeBron, he said, we can't shoot a penny into the ocean. And I don't even think that's and over exaggeration like they can't they're shooting 21.2 percent on three-pointers this season what can they do to just turn the slump around there that's scary coming from arguably one of the best players right now in the NBA because you look at LeBron James a few years ago and where he was able to leave the Cavs with almost no one once after Kyrie had left. You had Tristan Thompson, maybe (laughs) J.R. Smith. But they ended up getting swept by the Warriors, but you still got them there. And now this is a team where you have all these dominant players and you can't even win a game. I don't know if there's anything that you can quickly turn this around unless Russell Westbrook, Cassidy, sorry to say, he's got to start playing better. And everyone has to start stop lying at least LeBron can admit it and that's what makes him a leader whereas Russell Westbrook if I'm not mistaken he went like 0 for 11 or something and said oh I thought I played well and the media kind of just stared at him and said what do you mean you thought you played well I think offensively he has been tripping but (laughs) defensively he he's one of the best players on the court defensively not a lot of people like to bring that up but I don't know what game it was, but he secured a couple steals. He applies pressure on the defense, but nobody likes to say that because he will have a wacky stat line of two points, shooting 0 from 11 like he did, and I don't know. And that's but, all good and great. Because, yeah. But if you're going to have someone like that, you need to have a third guy. Yeah. Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to go off. You need to have someone else, similar right. to the Brooklyn Nets, where you have Kyrie and you have Kevin Durant. Steve Nash, head coach, said, well, we don't really need Ben Simmons to shoot ever, just defend yeah and that's not working for them and it's not going to work for the Lakers either we'll see we'll see I if anyone knows LeBron I know he can turn nothing into something he just needs to hurry because I mean everybody's flipping on them already Mm -hmm. it's just the I mean it is the third game of the season but they're only three months it's early in the season but it's what you see yes it's it'd be different if they were like one and two maybe oh and three the last game they lost was insane it was against the Trailblazers leading for, not most of the game, but leading into the fourth quarter. 
Russell Westbrook pulls up, shoots a mid-range jumper, misses it. They secure the ball. The Trailblazers secure the ball, score, and win the game like 106 to 104. It's just not even shooting. It's logically, why would you take that shot? <laughs> that was upsetting. Pam, anything? Um, yeah, the the Bucks being undefeated is not surprising. Yeah, and Magic and Kings being 0-3 isn't surprising either. But, yeah, the only thing I really have to say for Lakers, because I haven't really dissected the game of basketball as much as I have, like, football and baseball. Right. But – Anyone can tell from our perspective that there's obviously, like, division in the Lakers. Like, they are not – like you said, they are a team with talent. They just don't, like, know how to be a team. Right. And it's just – you can obviously see that they're all really good players, and I feel like that almost affects them in a negative way because I think they all want to be like LeBron. Yeah. But it's like, no, there's only – one LeBron, like, he's, like, the leader and the talented one. And you could just tell, like, I don't know, Russell Westbrook just kind of – and I really like when I'm – the person I'm about to say, but Russell Westbrook almost reminds me of, like, the Baker Mayfield of the NBA. Uh, I just think that's a stretch. I think just, he's more of the Lamar no. Jackson. I think that is no. his perfect – no, because, listen, listen, Lamar Jackson, when he plays, out chef's kiss. He <laughs> – can slang the ball, run the ball. But when he has a bad game, three interceptions in a game. Like, they are both so good, but sometimes they're just so bad. Like, there's no happy medium. It's really, really good or really, really but bad. But Lamar Jackson can be good and bad. Is There are times where Russell Westbrook, <laughs> like, consistently, if you're looking at the season where it's like, Russell Westbrook has consistently been on a downfall. Well, they have a good game every once in a yeah. while, but is he reliable Lamar Each Jackson game. is not reliable to me. Love the man, but he... <laughs> I was I was kind of talking about it more on, like, the outside of the sports view of it. Because, okay. like, oh. I feel like whenever you see them, you mostly will talk about Baker Mayfield in the press conferences, Russell Westbrook in the press okay. conferences. You won't talk about their stats or anything. Okay. You'll yeah. just talk about them, like, what they do outside mm-hmm. their sport. Like, they draw more attention from that, really, than, like, their actual sport. And that's, okay. that's what I meant, kind of, whenever I said that. Because, again, I hate, hate. <laughs> that's the only time I'll use that word. So I hate whenever people hate on all these athletes yeah. and everything. It just makes me so angry. It's like, okay, random Twitter troll, you go shoot a three for like yeah. three hours. Like it's, it just makes me really mad. So that's why like no hate to like Russell Westbrook or like Anthony Davis, but you could just tell they're not all on the same page. Right. That's going to be my final thing. Not all three ev- of those yeah. guys are not on the same page. And not everyone is playing the role that they need to play. I think yeah. I like what you said. Everyone's trying to be the great. You got to fill in, got to get in where you fit in. It's all puzzle pieces. And I agree. They are, Some of these athletes are some of the greatest athletes in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're not producing. So I don't know. But their schedule will only get more difficult in the, because some of their upcoming games are against the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Pelicans. Speaking of the Pelicans, they've been looking like the real deal. I know Andre would love for yes. <laughs> love to hear this. But they're two and one. Their only loss was a thriller in overtime against the Jazz. And during this game, unfortunately, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram were injured. What can the Pelicans do to keep their momentum going without some of their key players? 
there's not a whole, not that there's not a whole lot, but momentum is mm-hmm. in all of it that you have to make sure you need guys that can go out there and score points. And Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, after that trade last season, yeah. they worked together. They were that duo. They've played without Zion in the past. Well, actually, for a whole year last year, they did <laughs> not have Zion. So missing him isn't a huge deal, but Brandon Ingram, you're definitely going to have to have a guy that can come in here and can shoot, someone to step up, someone to come off the bench and try to fill in that yeah. Brandon Ingram spot. They need to bubble wrap Zion. I am <laughs> sick of it. I I just want him to be healthy because I think he has an amazing ceiling as an NBA player, but it is just constantly one thing after the other, and that just worries me. And there was comparisons to like LeBron James and Michael Jordan when he was first coming out of the draft, yeah. and then he just hasn't shown that yeah. so much because of those injuries. Yeah, and like you said, I think C.J. McCollum, he's great. He's going to have to hold it down for this team, and role players are going to have to fill in. Devontae Graham, Trey Murphy, Larry Nance Jr., they're all going to have to show up. Um, but speaking of Zion and Brandon, there are some young star players, and we've finally been able to see some of the top draft picks in action. Which draft pick has impressed you all the most? Uh, I honestly haven't really been keeping up that much with basketball since the Spurs um, started sorry. started being the way that they are. <laughs> but um, from what I've seen, because like after watching the draft and everything, the two Piston rookies, mm-hmm. the Jaden Ivey and uh, Jalen Duran, yeah, they're uh, both in the rookie uh, top five scoring leaders. And Jalen Duran is also uh, one of the top three rebounding leaders so far, yeah. averaging 7.7. And uh, it's just nice to see the Pistons being something right. <laughs> lately. <laughs> just they were very uninteresting for a little bit. Yeah. And it's just it's good to see them like finally in the stat lines for something that's not negative <laughs> and something positive. And like I said, they just always have been like an uninteresting team. So to see these two guys, I mean – that's it's good to finally see them producing with their bring life to Detroit yeah yeah that's but that's pretty much the only thing because um yeah I think that's it yeah Benedict Mathurin I think that's how you say his last name he is averaging 24 points 6.3 rebounds and two assists and he currently leads the rookie class in scoring and I think he was really slept on obviously he slipped um under the like top 10 picks and so I think he's impressed me the most obviously Paolo he is always just going to be impressive that's who I was going to say Paolo Benchero yeah has showed out for the Mavericks for the Magic rather this season I know that they are 0-4 on this season but it's what he's been able to do in a few years he'll easily be a leader for this team when they get some better draft picks he led the team with 22 points against the Knicks the Knicks ended up winning 115 to 102 but that was his fourth straight game where he scored over 20 points and fourth straight game where he was a leader in every game leading in points and again going to be a leader one day it's only the start it's exciting to see such a dominant player on the map magic he's just so impressive but speaking of impressive um and we're still on the topic of draft picks Victor Wembenyama he is a generational talent I don't know if y'all have seen him or heard of him he's from France he's like what six seven he he might be bigger than 6'7". Hold on. 7'4". Seven, 7'4". Four. Seven, four. With an 8-foot wingspan. 7'4", y'all. I just shorted <laughs> him so bad. 7'4". Um, what are y'all's wow. thoughts on him? I think he is crazy. Everyone's comparing him to LeBron. I saw him play 
not live, obviously. It makes it sound like I saw him live. Wait, no. <laughs> I was watching him. He just, he has such a high IQ and he can shoot. He's 7'4 and can shoot and handle the ball like a guard. Yeah, he's just, he, again, what you said, a lot of comparisons to Michael Jordan and LeBron James. LeBron James said that everyone was comparing him to a unicorn because they're saying he's like this mythical creature (laughs) who can just do it all. And LeBron James was like, no, he's an alien, okay? What LeBron said, he said, I've never seen, no one has ever seen anyone as tall as he is, but as fluid and graceful as he is out on the floor. And that goes to show that that's exciting for who's ever able to get him in the NBA. Because, I mean, look, all those teams that are losing, they're probably tanking for him, maybe. I would tank for him. <laughs> I don't know. The NBA is going to monitor that. Adam yes. Silver I mean, said. I'm not for tanking, but hey, sometimes it works out in everybody's <laughs> favor. But let's move to the NFL. The Eagles are still undefeated. Who do y'all think is going to take this Eagles team down? I think that the Cowboys are the only chance of, not the only, <laughs> that's a stretch, but they're, they have the biggest chance to take them down because the Eagles, what's left of their schedule is by far the easiest schedule. I think they've got like the Bears, they've got the Giants. I mean, the Giants are doing great. And they've got the Packers, the wacky Packers. <laughs> so I don't know. I think if the Cowboys don't beat them, I can see them going undefeated. No, seriously. I was watching Good Morning Football this morning. This podcast is filmed on Tuesday, October 25th. Oh, it's not the same without and It's Kay not Adams. the same without <laughs> Kay Adams. I will admit, I do, I, I'm a Kay Adams fan through and through. But Kyle Brandt did mention a good point because they were saying, what team can – what team will beat Philadelphia and Kyle Brandt said that for the past four seasons toward the end of the season the Cowboys have not only defeated the Eagles but they've straight up blown them out and that's something that the Eagles have to look out for you can't suffer a blowout loss to your in your division rivals just 2022 week six Philadelphia won 2021 Dallas beat them 51 to 26 2021, Dallas 41 to 21. 2020, Dallas 37 to 17. Yeah. The Eagles, as good as they are, they're a different team, but nobody expected the Cowboys and the Giants to be this good. The Cowboys seem to have a hold on them, and the Eagles have to find a way to defeat the Cowboys. And Dak is back. They, The Eagles beat mm-hmm. the Cowboys with Love Cooper Rush, but he did not play his best. We have a healthy Dak back. Who knows what can mm-hmm. happen? Yeah, I was going to say, if you would have asked me this question about three weeks ago, (laughs) I would have said, hey, don't forget, like, they're playing the Packers, but the Packers (laughs) are just, they're not showing out this season. No. And it's crazy because this this has been, like, so far is a really good um, conference, like the NFC East. Mm So or division like this has been a really good one because I mean you look at the Giants I think they're like five and one and they're only lost to Dallas look at Dallas they were uh, five and two I think yeah and their loss was to Tampa but Tampa's kind of tanking now and then you see also um, that their other loss was to the Eagles and that was with Cooper Rush and I know everyone's gonna say oh well you're rooting for Cooper Rush before it's like yeah. no I, it was he was a good placeholder don't get me wrong oh. like, he's amazing <laughs> yeah. but. Dak, Dak. And he threw three picks in that game. Had three. Cooper Rush not throwing three picks, that might be a difference. Yeah, because it was just 26 say, yeah. to 17. Mm-hmm. So you take away maybe even one of those, you never know what could have happened. Yeah, and especially I don't want to say this too early. It's crazy that I'm even saying this, but, like, Zeke is doing fairly good this season, <laughs> and his fairly good is not 
compared to his first and second season. But he's just not not doing anything. So. Right. He's doing a lot more. And I think some of that helps with Tony Pollard. He's alleviated a little mm-hmm. bit. And defenses have to now focus on Pollard. They have to focus on CeeDee Lamb and mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott. Whereas year one and two, it was all eyes on Ezekiel Elliott yeah. and year three especially. And yeah. I just, I my personal opinion, I don't think the Eagles are going to go undefeated just because it's – not gonna happen again this yeah. this uh league is just so different from what was it the 72 or 75? 72 yeah, dolphins? 72 dolphins it's just very different league since then and i just i don't think that they will and plus every team that goes undefeated for a while usually ends up doing bad later on in I the mean, playoffs especially yeah, the panthers you look at the panthers yeah. you look at even the cardinals mm-hmm. last year or patriots in 2007 or 2008 the year they lost the giants yeah not everything can last so mm-hmm. i'm kind of like yeah eagles keep going undefeated yeah you, they take. yeah but you just you look at this division and it's it's a Good division. It is. It yeah, is. finally. NFC is on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the time where Dallas was winning all those Super Bowls was whenever the NFC was at the top. Oh. I'm liking what I'm hearing <laughs> so far. So which team has impressed y'all the most this season, and who has disappointed y'all? I have to say the New York Jets. Yep, the New York is mine. back no matter which way you slice, okay? You had the Mets and the oh. Yankees. We won't talk about that. <laughs> but they both made it to the playoffs, right? The Rangers are playing well right now. And then you have the New York Giants and the New York Jets. you got wide receivers getting lost in the sauce and Sauce Gardner. And then you have Zach Wilson coming back from that injury and proving as to why he's his quarterback at a BYU and he's able to make a name for himself in New York. I love what the Jets have been able to do this season as they sit at 5-2. and two. Disappointment, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Mm. Personally speaking, a lot of that falls on Tom Brady. He yeah. takes off on Wednesdays. A few weeks ago, he went to a wedding on a Friday when they had a play on a Sunday. Mike Evans, you got to catch the ball. These wide receivers, there's just right now, there's a miscommunication between Tom Brady and this receivers. And some of this might just have to do with Tom Brady personally. What's going on in his personal life? He's mm-hmm. never had issues such as this. He was a lot younger 10, 20 years ago. Now he's getting older. All of that seems to be coming together, and it's a struggle for this Tampa Bay team. I will say the Broncos have disappointed me just because mm-hmm. love Russell Wilson. That was mine. I, yeah, I was like, this, this is going to be his year. He's. It's going to fit in nicely. Yeah. It's not looking too good. Because whenever you, uh, like I was saying earlier about whenever the NFC East was good, that's whenever the Cowboys was winning. I thought that that was going to be the same case for the Broncos. I was like, oh, they're in a really good division. Like, that'll toughen them up. And it's just... It hasn't. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> Me neither. Russell Wilson has all the weapons. You got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. On There's both sides no of the ball. Yep. Like they have good defensive guys too, and it's just like, what's going? on? I really want to see them turn it around. So we're just gonna move on to the World Series: Phillies versus Astros. Is this what y'all expected? Yep. Yes. Really? It was Astros and someone. I just didn't know who the other one was going to be. If I was being honest, I thought the Dodgers would be able to go out there and beat the Padres. That didn't happen. Philly, it just seems to be their year. They're that magic number one. They come in that last spot in the playoffs. And this is just something that's very exciting. And then the Astros, even coming from someone who's a Yankees fan, I did expect this because the Yankees, they can't pull it together against the Astros and just costly injuries, costly mistakes in the infield, hitting, lack of hitting in the playoffs, just yeah, a struggle that led, led the Astros <laughs> the, to get the dub. Yeah, the Padres and the Yankees, they went out sad. I'm so sorry, Trish, but your Yankees got swept. They did. Swept. And the Padres got gentlemanly swept if you would like to say it that way <laughs> I thought that was crazy 
So who are going to be some of the key players for the Phillies and the Astros so to lead their team to a World Series win? I would like to see Jose Altuve do mm-hmm. a little something more. They were at one point where he went 0-22 in terms of hitting. That's not going to fly in the World Series, especially if this Philly team keeps hitting as well as they are with the home runs that they're hitting as well. A guy like Bryce Harper, Reese Hos- Hoskins, these are just guys that are coming out of the woodworks. Bryce Harper you expected, but yeah. some other guys, Schwerber, some other guys on this Philly team that you didn't even expect to be good. And they remind me a lot of the Braves last year. If I'm not mistaken, the Phillies had 87 wins. The Braves had 88 last year. And they remind me a lot of that Atlanta Braves World Series championship team. Okay, so who do y'all want to win, and who do y'all actually see winning? Um, or it might be the same. The same for me. It's going to be the Astros for both. I just think we're seeing a resurgence. I think that's the right word to use. Sounds of right. Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. He hasn't mm-hmm. really been at his Hall of Fame status as he has been, but this last series he definitely was. And I think having him back – back to his uh, full potential is definitely going to help us. And I just think once our guys start getting more and more hits, we'll hopefully see more from Altuve because it's been other guys stepping up like Bregman and Gurriel stepping up when in reality it's usually Altuve. But I just think that's why they're going to win because they have all those other guys to cover for the greats like Jose Altuve. And I just I think that the Astros are going to win. That could just be hometown bias, but it's also just – it's they've been they're they're looking really good this year and I um last thing I was gonna say about that was I'm not saying they're gonna sweep the Phillies whatsoever because the Phillies are doing really good they swept in their last series so I just I think that it's gonna be really tough but I just have to go with my Astros. Where the Astros beat out the Phillies is with experience. They've been here before. They know what they have to do. Mm, This, that, and the third. But, again, this Philly team, it just always seems to be this team that comes out the Hazo games, these wins. They don't have as many wins. You don't expect them. And, again, you just have the names. You have JT Real Muto. You have Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Kyle Schwerber, and not even to mention the pitching in Austin Nola, former LSU Tiger, and Zach Wheeler. I gotta say, I'm I'm leaning towards Philadelphia. I'm not being biased. I'm just saying this tends to happen in sports. There's always the underdog, and the underdog always tends to win. Look at the Eagles, if we're talking about Philly teams, just a few years ago when they won that Super Bowl. They wore those dog masks, right? <laughs> that, oh, we're underdogs, and then they end up winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. Could be something similar for Philadelphia. Okay, I like both of you. So you're an Astros fan. Mm-hmm. I started putting that together when you're like, ah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I. I honestly, I just want to see some good baseball. The last round of baseball was, I mean, the Phillies and the Astros were dominant. That's cool to see. But I like to see something, you know. Nobody likes to see a sweep Mm -hmm. whatsoever in the playoffs. So I just want to see some good baseball. I like the city of Houston. I think it would be fun if the Astros won. I like like the the thought of an underdog, though. And it's been over a decade since the Phillies brought home a World Series championship. Mm-hmm. So I am... 2008. Honest, 2008. Yes, I am you. fine for anything. Whoever wins, wins. I don't... And I am Cassidy Johnson. And this has been the Hodges Huddle. Because the first game is this Friday. But um, that's all. Shout out Jonah Webster for producing. And make sure to catch the Tailgate Show Friday at 11.30 a.m. in the Student Union and Out of Bounds on Sunday at 2. Thank you, Trish. Thank you, Pam. <laughs>